I am so sleepy today, but I cannot go to sleep. I did get sleep last night, mind you, but the quality wasn't very good. Yes, I'm not going to nap, and so I find myself at the crossroads I often find myself of in the middle of most days, right around when the sun is past its highest point, and I must face the feeling of yet another day seeing completion and nothing having fundamentally changed. Not for the better, thankfully not for the worst, but not for the better either, for one more day. I've always hated afternoons and sunsets. The spin of a golden hour helped for a bit, and for a while I did embrace the dissipated and tender warm glow that the Oklahoma sky gives when it's a really good sunset. But the rest of the time, sunset is tired people wanting to be home from work. It's a lot of cars on the road because of rush hour, meaning extra traffic, increased smog, pollution, assholes on the road, backups, etc. It's the sun simultaneously being blinding, hot, imposing, and draining of energy. Yes, it's pretty when it's heralding and illuminating a new day, but it gets a little heavy on the eyes. Not to mention it's just a very sad time of day for me. Maybe it's some leftover trauma of sorts, but I remember sunset and nighttime at one point in my childhood just giving me a sinking feeling in my stomach. It meant the ceasing of the day ceasing of activity everyone going home calling it a day sunset glow makes me think of old people getting ready for sleep by like five when everyone should be up and about doing activity it makes me think of lying in bed at night as a kid letting my little mind drift in wonder and awe but having no outlet for any of it either by my own walls being put up or someone else's keeping me away And by this, I mean specifically that my mom and siblings and I didn't really share feelings or emotions like that. My mom was my mom, and she took her role very seriously. But it felt like living with a monolith of maternal authority, limitation, duty, respect, protection, and objectivity. Which is good to have, but I also would have liked the feeling of living with someone maternal, who was also willing to get down to my level and open up to me and with me. Essentially, sunset meant the world got small, the size of my room small, and I'd have to wait a whole evening and sleep spell before I'd have the chance to see daylight again. And when I was younger, it sometimes did feel like a chance thing, whether I'd see the next day. Maybe it was living in that single-parent household, the preachings of duty, godliness, responsibility, death, and just overall feelings of being small and vulnerable in a big world, compounding me to give me this feeling of vulnerability, insecurity, emptiness, and fear of the closing of day. Fear of the dark. I'd often lie there thinking that I could close my eyes to go to sleep, and there's nothing guaranteeing that I'd ever open them again. The oppressive darkness would maybe go on forever. I'd so often been preached to about the importance of being an upstanding person, and more importantly, Jehovah's Witness, because this system of things is temporary and sinful, and I should always be good, lest I risk eternal death. That fucked me up as a kid. Which honestly makes me think of 
just harmful shit that gets said to kids you know I I don't remember where it came from but I did hear of a YouTube video about someone asking the most harmful things ever said to people and that got me thinking if you really ponder this it can open up a well of information to you about your past and your subconscious um so yeah um as a Jehovah's Witness one of the things that they tell us is that heaven and hell don't exist how we conventionally think of them um and what actually happens is that only a select few of people get to go to heaven to reign with jesus once armageddon comes and everyone else who isn't baptized when it comes will be sent to um i believe they call it like the lake of fire in the bible which is not hell as some people interpret it not to the jehovah's witnesses it it just means eternal nothingness death is nothing nothingness which as a child hearing that is like i mean <laughs> i keep i you know um they also tell us about how anyone remaining after armageddon will be subjected to a thousand years of existence um community global cleanup global worship of you know jehovah and jesus and then once the a thousand years are up they'll re-release satan and test everyone's faith and then they'll call humanity for a second time and anyone left over has achieved eternal life like i can't begin to explain the onion layers of fuckery that this gave me as a child not even going into the concept of eternal life being relayed to a child and how I would often like follow that to its logical conclusion which would be like people just kind of wandering earth for a long time because Jehovah's Witnesses don't really like look for that kind of scientific advancement that would like i mean they don't even consider life happening anywhere else but except for earth because you know that's what the bible says is it's it's on the on earth on the garden of eden is where life happened but the eternal life thing fucking me up but essentially i was introduced to and i became aware of my own mortality at like six the responsibility and accompanying paralyzing fear of being worthy of eternal life once the end came was airplane airplane fed to us through literature and bible study by the jehovah's witnesses one night i was reading a book given to kids by them filled with stories and lessons from the bible of course all of them having the underlying moral of making sure to mold yourself into the required witness lest you get sent to nothingness and that made me wonder is my mom going to be sent to the lake of fire to the nothingness is my mom going to be one of the saved ones am i will i take this path that has been laid out for me by the witnesses or will i fail it and die that insidious little fear took residence in my mind and it would pop up at times does that coming thunderstorm mean armageddon is here have i run out of time fuck am i unworthy does that especially red sky mean that the end has come These are real fears that I had as a child, and the daytime was a refuge from them, a distraction. Both from the fears and from my home life and church life, daytime meant that I was at school getting to know a bunch of different kids, learning new things, new places, trying new things. Nighttime meant that I'd be home, and the dynamic of my day would change. Sunset was the beginning of the end for me every single day. 
that beautifully haunting liminal time of day. For a while, I was able to recontextualize it. Once I got older and I began to question and develop my own mind and who I was or who I wanted to be. Once I was allowed more reins of control over my life, basically. I tried to see sunset as the transition to an evening of activity, a realm where I once had little to no say over how it went. With time and age, I slowly got more control over. And so I was able to harness that feeling. And while I still didn't enjoy the afternoon or sunset time, it wasn't something that had that same heavy sensation as before. I had the option of filling my evening with whoever or whatever I chose. And typically this meant fun, young, loving occupations. But now, as a 25-year-old, things are different. The coping mechanisms I used before don't ring the same, and the things that I used that used to keep me occupied and distracted from existential dread don't hit the same either. And I find that heavy feeling coming back sometimes. Because in the end, I think that's what it always was. Existential dread. For a while, I was drunk on the feeling and the thrill of being young, newly independent, and having my life ahead of me all to keep that old foe at bay. But it just comes back still, just in a new form. Where I used to fear eternal nothingness at the hands of a celestial war, I now fear a life of unmet potential, wasted time, and regret. And also still eternal nothingness, of course. Now that same boogeyman, that existential dread, is a monster hungry for purpose, fulfillment, connection, enlightenment, kindness, and all the other good stuff. It's a monster that reminds me that time is ever passing, faster and faster, and one that constantly reminds me of the finiteness of time and the fragility of life. Nowadays, that's what keeps me up at night when I can't sleep. And no, having a head start on that dread did not do any more to help me overcome it than you would think. So yeah, your boogeyman may not be triggered or bothered by sunset or the afternoon glow of day, but I encourage you to face it head on when it does rear its head, and it will rear its head. But going back to the topic of most hurtful shit said to you in life, what else comes to mind for y'all? Another one for me was when I was at a friend's place where I often spent a lot of time while my mom uh, was at work over the summers. Um... I would always be there, warmly welcomed, and I really loved being over at their house because it felt like summer camp. Their home life versus mine was very different. They were, in my eyes, funner, more worldly, adventurous, and exciting. While at first doing things like spending the night, taking trips with them, and overall just being there a lot was weird and awkward for me, with time it got to the point that I ended up feeling comfortable. Too comfortable, maybe. They had a couple pets, um, one of them a sweet older dog, and uh, one day I ended up scaring their older dog, and this immediately got me yelled at by my friend. I obviously didn't realize why what I was doing wasn't right, I just thought that I was having fun with the dog, but um, the hurtful part was that when my friend told on me, my friend's mom, someone that I'd spent lots of time with and had even begun to see as a maternal figure of my own, said something to the effect of, Ugh, you need to go home. Or no, it was more like, Ugh, you need to go home. Like, bewildered. You know? Exhausted. 
fucking ready to let go of. Like, I, I remember a sensation of, of feeling like I was hit with a brick straight in the heart. And I'm pretty sure that my response involved me shutting down and just kind of reclusing myself from them for the rest of the day. Eventually, it blew over, of course, like most things do. And I'm pretty sure a conversation was had about what happened and, and I was eventually forgiven, I'm pretty sure. But those words stuck with me. My mom had always raised me to keep a distance from the world, which was of Satan, you know, and not Jehovah. She taught me to be polite and respectful of those not part of our church, but to never really entrust them completely, never with personal info or just period, because we don't know the quality of people they could be. I, first of all, internalized that to the point where I just have trouble opening up and trusting people, period. But this specifically, I can't imagine, did anything to help my trust of people. And my trust of, like, letting my guard down and, you know, getting comfortable letting loose around others. Um, Another set of words that hit me hard once uh, was when I was, like, eight. um, And I'd sometimes spend summers with my sister and her husband. Uh, Her husband's family was loud, rambunctious, and fun. You know, the adults all loved getting together. And of course, that meant that all the little ones got to play together sometimes. And I made friends with the kids and kept a polite distance from the adults, you know. Anyway, one of the weekends there, we had all taken a day trip somewhere just to get out and have fun. Again, I'm like eight. Um, It was me, my sister, her husband, and her husband's family. We divided the groups up by gender, you know, for the car trip. And I chose to go in the car with my sister because, duh. And, um all the sisters of her husband who just by being women I already felt more comfortable around them than I did with the men that's always been the case um so I was in the car with my sister driving and her sister's-in-law there three of them um all in the car with me and we eventually stop at a gas station um and my sister went inside to pay leaving me in the car with them um I mean since I was a kid they were used to me being around and quiet you know while the adults all talked well they got to talking um, in the car while, about maybe wanting to stop by the mall on the way back home. And I remember there in the back seat, oh, um, I remember thinking, I want to pipe up and join the conversation. You know, so I did. I didn't want to be weird. And I was like, I want to pipe up. So I did. And I, I don't remember if I spoke up in support of going or not going. But anyway, um, the sister in the passenger seat, when she heard my take, whipped around to look at me and asked, And who asked you with, like, a really bothered tone? And again, that heavy brick feeling hit me. And I did what I tend to do, which was shut down. My shutting down is a defense mechanism to keep the peace and not add tension to any situation. I also try to think of it as, like, a tactic, you know? I I picked it up somewhere along the way, and to this day, I do still struggle sometimes feeling comfortable speaking up for fear of backlash no matter the context. So, I mean, I guess my point with all of this is to say that there is a power to words. I want to shine a light on the power of words. We don't know when what we'll say will hurt someone else or how they'll receive or internalize internalize those words, you know. They do have an effect. And it's important to examine yourself and know what the bugs in your system are in order to overcome them in order to look at yourself and forgive yourself and others for what they have done and said. We all have an inner child, and it can be wounded or traumatized in many ways. It doesn't matter what your background, your race, religion, or anything else is. 
We all have an inner child who is sometimes in need of consoling, acknowledgement, and attention. Hurt inner children lead to hurt adults who will in turn hurt others. And yeah, it's impossible to not hurt anyone in this life or to never get hurt, but raising awareness about it is essential to breaking that cycle. You gotta take the time to examine yourself, your flaws, your traumas, and you grant yourself grace and reassurance over those things. And the key is to grant others the same. You give them the honor of seeing them, capital S, comprehensively. To see means to listen, to empathize, to respect. This means kids and adults. We are not as separate from each other as we'd all like to think. And raising consciousness over the way we affect those around us can lead to better and more conversations about how to be better around each other and to each other no matter who you are or what differences you may have. But the tricky thing about seeing and being seen is that it takes everyone on board to make the cargo room. Every person counts.